All right. Hello and welcome to Realcom's first webinar in our series titled Celebrating Women and the Diverse Voices in Commercial Real Estate. I'm Chuck Nicewanger, your Realcom host for today's webinar focused on leadership, diversity, and the evolving company culture, among other things. You'll, you'll get a sense of that as we begin. This series is really unlike any other webinar we've done. Uh, and will likely be one of the most watched as our Realcom well webinar followers share this link of these recordings and then others watch it on realcom.com webinars, past webinars, you can find it there. So uh, uh, please enjoy and uh, we look forward to hearing a lot of these stories. So, but before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items just so you can have a great webinar experience. First of all, thank you to our live attendees. We do encourage you to use the Q&A interface to provide comments that you'd like to send to our panel, questions you may want to ask, or just send your thoughts to this wonderful group of individuals as you listen to their professional journeys. I will pass everything along to them at the end of this session. In the handout section, I, you'll find detailed bios from all of the panelists. Uh, and we'll be doing this with minimal slides. So the few that I have, and it may not be that useful from a slide deck perspective, just check uh, realcom.com website for more details whenever you have questions about these webinars. And for the best webinar experience, we do recommend that you close out other internet applications, especially streaming videos. They could cause some level of interference. Uh, if you are experiencing technical issues with connectivity, sound, or video quality, Really the best thing to do is to disconnect and then click on the webinar link again and rejoin us. You can also email Ian at ithompson, that's I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry, you won't miss anything since you will receive a link to the recording later today. Uh, I've also included my email address to this page in case you think of questions for our panel, but you're watching this as a recording. Just send them to me anyway and I'll forward them along. This educational webinar is supported by our outstanding sponsors. We have some phenomenal promotional videos that we'll play for you right up front so that you get a chance to uh, see a little and hear a little bit more from each vendor. Here we go. Secure, a digital twin platform for the built environment, which captures and displays sensory data from IoT devices, providing real-time insights into spaces. Secure allows for detailed information to be displayed comprehensively by offering map views of all linked devices and sensors, as well as graphs, heat maps, and even custom alerts and notifications. It monitors air quality, occupancy rates, water leaks, waste management, 
carbon emissions and overall energy consumption, keeping any space in an optimal condition and supporting ESG requirements. Real Foundations is a professional services firm focused on helping companies that develop, own, operate, or invest in real estate make smarter, more profitable decisions. From the building itself to the way it's developed, operated, and capitalized, no firm understands the inner workings of the entire real estate ecosystem as well as Real Foundations. We make real estate run better. What makes 5Q unique is that our team of professionals have a deep understanding of this commercial real estate industry and all the clients that we serve in all property types, from retail to multifamily to office and industrial. Our people also have deep knowledge in information technology and in operational technology at the property level. That means that all the devices in a building we're very familiar with how to secure those devices, how to set up those devices so that they are secure right from the start. We work with all aspects of our clients, executive team, IT team, and cybersecurity team to make sure that they have the proper layers of defense for the critical assets that they're trying to protect. All right, that's fantastic. We are definitely grateful for the contributions by these technology partners to our industry, to Realcom, and to helping to educate our viewers in sessions just like these. So be sure to include these trusted partners in your vendor evaluation process or send them a note whenever you have any questions. Our moderator and master of ceremonies for today's webinar is Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Strategy Officer at Heinz. That's Eileen Goldfein. Welcome, Eileen. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. You've got such a great group of people assembled for this webinar. Um, I'm going to turn things over to you, and I'll join you at the end of the session to close it out. Fantastic. All right. See you. So I'll start by saying that clearly I look very different from that picture that was on the slide. But anyway. So thank you again, Chuck, and thank you to everybody for having us here today. As you all know, or you may know, this is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I was all over Realcom, all over the conference, talking about this over and over, but really diversity, equity, inclusion is something that is I'm so passionate about. I really, really am excited to talk to you about this today and have this great group of panelists join us. What we're talking about today is a continuation of the dialogue that was started at the Realcom conference. At the conference, we began to have real talk discussion around allies and mentors. And today we're delving into the next phase of this discussion, which is really about how to be a leader and create an environment that really builds more inclusivity and more equitable workspace for all. Today's discussion will again be centered around personal stories, but all woven together by a theme of leadership. We have asked our esteemed panelists to speak about leadership in a way that resonates with them whether that's in a work environment, a personal environment, or somewhere in between. Again, our focus is on having real talk conversations today, so our panelists will be speaking openly and honestly. 
And our hope is that you take away information from their experiences and leadership discussions to create a more inclusive real estate workplace for all. On a logistics note, I'm going to lightly moderate this panel. Again, anybody who saw me at RealCom knows I'm not a, a big fan of uh, a big moderated orchestration. Meaning, I will start by giving some quick information about myself and why this topic really resonates with me, and then be handing it off to our next panelist. Each panelist will then introduce someone else. At the end, after all panelists have spoken, I will ask some questions to the group based on the themes and items emerging. And then we'll open up to additional questions or any questions that have come through the chat. Just very quickly, a quick um, side note on, uh, we had one change in scheduling. So if you are attending this uh, RealCom webinar to hear Simon, we apologize. He is unable to make it at the last minute due to some personal reasons. So you'll just gonna be stuck with the rest of us. So hopefully that's okay. So with that, at a high level, let me start with my story. And I'm going to say that, that lightly. It's funny, but the reason that I think and speak about this so often is because actually of the incredible environment in which I was raised. I honestly never gave a second thought to be the fact that I was female or that I was Jewish or that I was and am short <laughs> or anything else. To me and my family, all differences were celebrated and seen as a way to learn more about each other rather than to be divisive or different. I was raised by a fiercely independent lineage of women, which I know will shock anybody who, uh, who actually knows me, and also by a father who strongly believed that I could be and do whatever I wanted. So my personal story is really not about what's impacted me in a negative way, but more about how I can share that viewpoint and outlook with others around me. I honestly believe you can learn something from every person you meet. And by doing so, we open ourselves up to endless learning opportunities and engagement. My passion and leadership style is working with others to create these types of environments, and more importantly, creating that same sense of self in my two teenage daughters, which is also why I look exhausted most of the time. So I'm thankful every day for how I was raised, and I also have found a company and a profession that allows me to expand on this viewpoint daily. As many of you know from the Allies Breakfast at Realcom, Heinz has embraced DNI throughout the organization. I'm so grateful to be a part of that organization that supports my values in this way. So now, enough about me, and on to our panelists. First off, I'm going to introduce, uh, uh, hand it over to Byron, so that he can introduce himself and really share about his journey. So with that, all yours, Byron. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen. I appreciate that. And I really appreciate your family story because it's similar to many of us. Um, some of you guys might know that my family and I immigrated from El Salvador fleeing the Salvadoran Civil War. Um, so when we arrived to the United States, we had very little, uh, you know, but a hard work ethic from my parents. Uh, our father has a third grade education. He was a child soldier, but he always told us, regardless of what you need to do in life, always work hard, do the best you can, and always try to grow and, and strive to be the best person you can, but also help those around you. And that's what really set me on the path that I'm currently in. Uh, growing up in South Central Los Angeles, we had some difficult times. Uh, you don't usually equate that part of uh, LA or you know, the country with uh, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, right? Most of the times we were seen as those areas being lower income. Most of the traditional paths are people who are gonna be working in factories or general services. Um, so having a mentor, it's one of the big reasons why I am a, in my role today. 
uh, one of the reasons why I pursued a career in engineering and in technology, uh, why I wanted to go out and be able to uh, grow my personal uh, education portfolio, just because my parents always pushed that for us. They always told us education is going to help you grow. It's going to give you a path towards a better career, a better life. Uh, and that's something that I always took within my, my heart. Uh, as part of you know going into the industry, going into commercial real estate, it was a very interesting uh, way that we that I got in. Uh, my parents normally worked as as porters, janitors, people who cleaned commercial buildings. They uh, would take me to work at night when they were cleaning offices in downtown or in different parts of LA. Uh, my grandfather worked in the office that I would one day work at. Actually, he worked as a parking attendant in my first job ever. Uh, in a commercial real estate company, he was a parking valet guy at the office that I was working in. So uh, that took a really big interest in me and, and kind of pushed me towards uh, looking forward at what I can do within my career and what I could do to help those around us. Uh, the challenges that we face are always easier when you have people around you that like to support you, that push you forward. And I've been fortunate enough that in my career, I have found individuals who have always given me the opportunities, have always pushed me to be uh, better and reach higher. Uh, and one of the things that I always took from my family was always work hard and the, never say no to a challenge. Never be afraid to take on that difficult task. Or if you don't know something, make sure that you can ask those individuals around you because most of the time they don't want to, you to, to fail. They want you to succeed, right? We all succeed as a group. We all succeed as a company, as a team, especially when we're in technology. Uh, most of the time we've always seen that, you know, the IT department slows things down or the IT department is a roadblock. So for outside teams, we might be seen as a group that hinders progress, but realistically, we're trying to make sure that the company is protected, secure, that we're growing and that we're using technology adequately. And one of the challenges that we've seen is that there is a lack of diverse voices. Uh, frankly, there is a lack of new talent coming into the environment. Uh, and something that really makes me passionate of being in my role is being able to reach out to individuals and students who are looking to join us, who are looking to be innovators and you know, be able to take us to the next path that we can find ourselves. Uh, as I mentioned, growing up in South Central, there isn't that path where you can see, oh, this person within my community is an engineer or a scientist or a data scientist or an applications architect, right? We normally see people who work in factories or gardeners or who have those jobs that are uh, less than blue collar, but there are students there who have dreams and aspirations of growing their careers, being able to attend college and being able to go forward with their technology stack. Uh, for me, one of the big uh, reasons why I do what I do now outside of work is being able to promote those different paths and different diverse uh, solutions so that people can see that there are valuable uh, ways out there for us to be able to grow. I was looking at a, a study recently uh, and specifically for Latinos. Uh, we make up 8% of the technology workforce. And within that 8%, only 6% of, of us are in within, within commercial real estate, uh, which is something that really, really impacted me because as I've traveled around, attended conferences, I do see some diversity, uh, but it does make me think of how can we better ourselves and, and making sure that we have those individuals join us. Uh, and, and we're talking about people from every walk of life, every culture, every religion, every ethnicity being able to bring that diversity into our industry and be able to share with that. Uh, one of the biggest things that I've always taken uh, from my wife is actually to 
move forward and, and fight for what I believe is right and what I believe is, is truthful. Um, she has a big uh, background in, in helping others and she has a big open heart. And it's one of the things that she's brought to me as well uh, to make sure that regardless of who that person is within the industry as, you know, either you are the CEO or, or the janitor, you treat everybody with the same respect, with the same uh, uh, conversation, you know, respectful to people, making sure that those people are involved. Because as I said, I started with my parents as a janitor in the buildings that are now held run, produce, develop, and build. Uh, it's something where the industry has given me the opportunity to travel and, and be able to see the great projects that we have as you know, commercial real estate. But there's also that need for us as individuals, as companies to go out there and promote ourselves and invest in the talent that's coming up from all different walks of life. Last year, I had the opportunity to participate in what is known as STEM Pimpels. Uh, it's a program where you are assigned uh, a student uh, in a middle school or an elementary school who might be interested in technology, who might be interested in science, and corresponds with them over traditional mail. Uh, you write a letter, uh, you talk to them about your challenges, you talk to them about how it was growing up, how was it in college, what you do now, and that really helped me better understand the needs of our community uh, because these children were telling us or, or were talking to me in this letter and telling me, look, I like technology, but I don't know what I can do with it outside of being a Twitch streamer or a YouTuber. And as I started to go into the role that I have and what do I do, it kind of ended up changing their mindset into, oh, there are other avenues. So one of the things that I'm very passionate about is helping promote technology, helping promote engineering, science, and math to all the students who are out there, just like myself. I never had an opportunity to see an engineer when I was in elementary or middle school. It wasn't until I got into high school and I found mentors that were able to provide those opportunities, give me that roadmap and be able to say, yes, you can do it, regardless of the background or the challenges that you might be facing, regardless of you know, uh, the high school I attended, we had 4,000 students in my class. There was 4,000 students, 90% of them were on meal subsidies. So the opportunities were rare, but one thing that I recommend is making sure that when you see something, when you reach out for something, go for it. Try to give it your best, regardless of, of you know, if it's within your realm or not. Work hard to achieve it. Uh, I am fortunately, I am dyslexic, so having to figure out math and make sure that the numbers are always straight always is an additional challenge. Uh, but it wouldn't be fun if it wasn't a challenge involved. It, it wouldn't be worth it if it wasn't something that you would have to fight for. So I recommend that you guys go out there, expose yourself, and, and be a mentor. And if you're somebody who's in a position of you know, uh, a leadership role, an executive role, I recommend reaching back down. One of the reasons I was able to get involved with Viocom so much was due to Charles Myers. He saw me sitting down outside of a CIO roundtable session and he said, you should probably be in here. Some of the things that we are talking about is things that you are working on. How come you're not in there? And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not sure, Charles, but I'm happy to join. And he brought me in. And, and from there, I've, I've been participating as much as I can. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys about my background, even as brief as it is. Uh, but the voices on this panel today are, are excellent. And, uh, you know, the next speaker, Andrea Curley, who's regional director of Riyardi, has a wonderful story. And, and I'm also excited for her to share her, her, her path and, and give you some of that background with you guys. And, and hopefully you can uh, hear her next. Can everyone see me okay? Thank you so much. That was so inspiring. It was so great to hear 
about your background and your leadership style and um, what's to come. So hello, everybody. I wanted to thank Realcom for having me and Yardi for select me, selecting me to be on this panel. It's a cause that's near and dear to my heart and also to Eileen for all of her efforts um, as the moderator for this panel um, to a cause that I know is very personal to her. Um, in addition to Eileen, I was raised by a strong group of women and I was also raised Jewish. And my background really lies in the fact that I was also told that there's nothing that I couldn't do with a lot of hard work and focus. And so a little bit about me, I started my career, I didn't come from the CRE space initially. Um, I started my career in finance in New York City, working at Bear Stearns on the trading floor. Um, and later when I moved back to Boston um, to be with my now husband, um, I worked in business development, working with hedge funds and banks and investment managers, devising tech strategy for 15 years. And similar to CRE, there was really minimal diversity. And most often I was the only female in the room. But I believed if I worked hard, I would be successful. And again, I think coming from um, parents that really taught me that, it's always stayed with me and continues to do so to this day. Um, the work that I put in, my numbers were always good. The metrics used for my evaluations put me as the top performer for many years. But I always scratched my head because I never got promoted. Upward mobility was extremely limited. And the option to always contribute more, which is always what I wanted to do and gain more progress, was sadly not an option. Um, I spoke up, I was young, um, I spoke up, but it was the early 2000s and I don't think folks were ready to hear what I had to say or change. Um, so I started working at Yardi seven years ago. I'm responsible for the commercial large business segment on the East with a team of folks up and down the coast. So specific to Yardi, I think the company has a lot of promise when focusing on DEI. Um, just for some background, we're a minority-owned company. We're privately held by the Yardi family, and the founder and CEO of Yardi is a first-generation American. Um, so externally, we do focus a lot of our philanthropic efforts on a few nonprofits focused on diversities, and I, you know, I won't go into too many of those. But one that I wanted to highlight because I th think it's fantastic, is that we donate lots of money every year to some of the um, lowest income housings in India um, to focus on education of women, women's health, and women's hygiene. And even some of the money goes to building functional bathrooms, which don't exist in some of these Vashtis um, today. So internally at Yardi, I think what's really interesting, we have over 9,000 people that work at Yardi. 4,500 of them, so half of them um, are based in the US, and then half of that 4,500, so over 2,000 folks are women. And so we always talk about, you know, amongst my friends and, and social circles, you know, are we, do we just not have the resource pool specific to women, you know, in tech, in commercial real estate? Well, at Yardi, the women are definitely there. And so one of my focuses and something I'm really passionate about, because I speak to these folks every day and I'm always amazed at how much hard work they put in, how knowledgeable they are, how intelligent they are, how passionate they are to help whenever possible. Um, and I try to focus on, and I hope to see more women in leadership positions at Yardi as the years go on. And so um, not unlike my role in the finance sector, I have found CRE to be homogeneous. But 
I think the current group of Yardi leaders, and including myself, are striving really hard to alter this dynamic. So um, we are going to have our first ever Yardi Women's Leadership Summit in October in Minnesota. So hopefully that should be nice. Um, and some things that Yardi is doing that I think have just given me a sigh of relief around, you know, management listening and we are making forward progress is that I was the first woman at Yardi to speak at Realcom's annual conference. Um, that was a couple of years ago. I was also the first woman this year at Yardi to present at the CIO Realcom roundtable in June. And I'll also be the first woman at Yardi to speak at our commercial client base user conference during the commercial spotlight session, which has over or close to a thousand people in attendance. And so the reason I highlight this is because not only do I think the folks at Yardi are making DEI a focus, but I really do believe and that you can't be what you can't see. And I think when I first started out in my career, I didn't see anyone like me. And I think slowly I'm seeing more folks with diverse backgrounds, but to me, it's not enough. Um, and I hope we continue to have these conversations so we can track the progress and we can see improvement. And um, one of the things we talked about on our prep session for this panel was the why. So why do we do this? Why do I do this? We all have our normal day-to-day -day jobs. We all have personal lives. Everyone is so busy. But I really think about this as part of my job, as part of my responsibility um, to use my voice and hopefully my position um, to promote others that work hard, that have a diverse background, and in the past haven't been seen or heard, um, and who deserve to be put in a leadership position and to have progress within their careers. And so every time I'm asked to participate in a forum where I think I can make a difference, I rarely, if ever, say no. I feel lucky to be able to participate in sessions like these, and my mentors at Yardi, my manager, the president of commercial, have had an enormous amount of faith in me. I don't want to let them down. I don't want to let Yardi down. I don't want to let myself down and others who are looking at me um, as uh, an example that hopefully can be used in the future. And so I hope to take full advantage of all of these that uh, panels that I have. So those that come after me know that it's a possibility for those as well. And I'll just end with the lastly, the most important reason I participate and do whatever I can to promote diversity and hopefully to see more women specifically in leadership roles is because I have three children at home. Um, I have one son and two daughters, all under the age of 15. And it's really critical to me. It will keep me up at night to know that when it's their time to enter the workforce, they see themselves represented. They see themselves represented. And to know that if they work hard, anything's possible. And most importantly, that they're treated equitably. So thank you. Um, I really appreciated being on this panel. And next uh, up in the speaking session is Kelly Soljasic from LaSalle. Over to you, Kelly. Thank you, Andrea. That, that was really impressive, Mari. Hello, everyone. As Andrea said, my name is Kelly Soljasic, and I'm an SVP and Director of Asset Level EFT Innovation at LaSalle Investment Management. LaSalle is one of the world's leading global asset managers with nearly 80 billion of AUM internationally with 15 offices in uh, international countries. So my role in EFT, which the acronym stands for Environmental, Social and Technology, basically means that I work on identifying and rolling out new technology, green tech and social initiatives at LaSalle properties that can add value for our clients and their communities. 
So I know it's a different kind of job. So let me explain how I ended up in it and how I grew into leading this role. As a child, I moved around the Midwest quite a bit. I ended up attending 10 different schools before I graduated high school. And people at those schools consistently told me that I would never make it at any real job, especially anything involving math or finance. Clearly, I was not your atypical student who enjoyed long-winded teacher presentations or long multi-chapter reading assignments. I was bored senseless and I needed to ask a lot of questions and had no skill for memorizing what at the time seemed like an endless stream of meaningless historical facts. What I did have was a good brain, a very strong work ethic, and the ability to talk to anyone thanks to my nomadic upbringing. My mother, who was and is a very strong woman, as it sounds like our other panelists have, also said that I could do anything if I wanted to, if I was willing to put in the time and I put my mind to it. I know that sounds corny, but I really took it to heart. So what did I do? I decided to prove them all wrong. I graduated early from high school, took on the most challenging classes, and graduated with distinction in finance from my Big Ten business school, and rushed out to start my career, where employers should be falling all over themselves to give me a job, right? It was 2001, I was smart and confident, hardworking, I'd almost gotten a 4.0 in my business school, but somehow I could barely get an interview. And the interviews I did get, most of them were sales jobs. No one seemed to care about how hard I'd worked or about my accomplishments. A trend began to emerge where my male counterparts with liberal arts degrees and mediocre grades were getting the finance jobs that I was applying for instead of me. I ended up having a family friend get me an interview with a real estate company where they worked. For those who are younger, <clears throat> it's an understatement to say that in 2001, commercial real estate was not terribly welcoming to women or people who were ethnically diverse. I had never planned on working in real estate, but I believed in the motto that you never know where you end up if you keep your options open. After that, I bounced around to several major real estate companies, learning as much as I could, where I was generally overlooked as one of the only women analysts and watched as my male counterparts were promoted once and twice over me while doing the same job. I was incredibly frustrated, but I tried to create my own leadership opportunities. For each company I worked for, I would join the women's group if they had them. And then I took on leadership roles where I would create conferences, webinars, lunch and learns that would help other young women learn how to network, climb the corporate ladder and live balanced lives. As I said before, there were few women in leadership positions. And unfortunately, neither the few women that were there nor the male leaders were really interested in being my mentor. Bosses would jokingly give me pink binders when everybody else would get black ones. Clients were told, she's not just fat, she's actually pregnant, when I was expecting my first child. I was told that taking that maternity leave had unfortunately killed my chance at a promotion. Again, trying to stay open and positive, I instead started taking on extra projects that interested me, taking the initiative with emerging tech companies that were working in real estate products, leading property tech testing, and rolling out new programs and software on top of my normal role at that point. When I came to LaSalle as an asset manager, I was bursting with ideas that were not asset manager related at all. And to my surprise, they were happy to let me lead and run with them as they saw me as the expert. Eventually helping projects manage sustainability initiatives and prop tech became half of my job. I also joined the LaSalle Women's Board and mentored new analysts when appropriate and continued to raise my hand and speak up. Then came the pandemic. We were all so desperate to do something to give back to the communities and LaSalle encouraged creative and outside box ideas. 
I ended up developing a partnership with the Red Cross where they hosted blood drives at our properties nationwide. This during a time when 70% of blood drives in the country had been canceled and the country was at a critical low blood level for hospitals. I give a lot of credit to LaSalle for supporting and embracing this groundbreaking type of partnership. It was the first of its kind for a real estate company to partner with the Red Cross. But this project was a huge undertaking and something I had never done before. I was given the opportunity to hand, off, hand the project off to someone with more time and experience. But staying true to my motto of staying open and taking a risk, I took it on myself, which led to an award-winning program and the Red Cross asking me to be on their Illinois Board of Directors and their DEI subcommittee. At this point, all of the leadership roles I was doing on the side, including mentorship of diverse students looking to break into commercial real estate, it was clear that I could no longer act as an asset manager and do any justice to the other leadership roles I had taken on. Again, trying to stay open, I researched and talked to other companies working for weeks, putting together a new role proposal for LaSalle. I finally presented my role proposal to the CEO that would focus on leading the value-add projects at its properties that would cover technology, sustainability, and social programming, all the things I had come to become passionate about. I still volunteer at blood drives every month, donate blood as often as I can, mentor to young women new to real estate, try to help with the diversity and social initiatives whenever possible. Today, I continue to try to stay open, be brave, grow, change, and take chances, and give back or pay it forward wherever I can. I hope this helps anyone listening that feels stuck or held back to hold on and stay open and make your own opportunities so you can end up in a career that you feel passionate about also. Thanks for taking the time to listen to my story. And um, then I would now like to introduce you all to Lynn Peters, who is Vice President of Global Operations at Retransform. She's been there for 10 years and has been in the real estate industry for over 25 years. She lives in Dallas, Texas now, but originally from my neck of the woods in Chicago. I'll hand it over to you now, Lynn. Great. Hi, thanks so much, Kelly. How, Howard, thanks for the introduction and for turning it over. Um, that was great to hear, and I applaud your initiatives during COVID, especially just sprinkle that added challenge in, but launch something so successful, I think is great. It's just really inspiring. Um, so I'm pleased to be here. I just thought I would do a quick introduction. Um, as Kelly mentioned, I'm Lynn Peters. I'm the Vice President of Global Operations for Retransform. Um, the video you saw at the outset, it was just a little snippet of what we do as an organization. Um, we are a global service provider to the commercial real estate industry for tech, prop tech, um, and services. And I, I want to highlight the, the global part because I think it touches on some of the conversations we've had so far in that our company is um, a, based primarily in India. So I've had the opportunity to be there and to see um, you know the the positives and you know the the challenges that some of our own team face um, on a day to day, uh, which helps drive just some of the initiatives of what we try to do as an organization. But um, a little bit about me personally, um, I'm originally from Chicago. If my accent hasn't given that away yet, um, I grew up in the suburbs. Got my degree in political science pre-law and psychology from Northern Illinois University. Um, really thought my goal in life was to go to law school and 
after you know I was on the five-year plan, honestly, it was time to get out of college and decided, um, you know, I have to join the workforce. So the first company in that happened to be in real estate, and I'm going to date myself a little bit, and my Midwest people probably relate to this or recognize it, but I worked for a company called Frame Cammons and Sportchild, and Back then, you could smoke in the office building still. So that gives you a little bit of just maybe how old or long ago that was. Um, but my boss initially was a woman, and her name was Julie McCoy. Yes, it is the same name as the Love Boat cruise director. No, she was not happy about it. But she was so confident and so eager to help me learn what all possibilities existed in the industry and really encouraged me to get exposure and learn as much as you can. Um, and I watched her. I mean, I knew we were in a male-dominated field and I've, I've known that throughout my career and I've been pretty fortunate. So you kind of get numb to it, I think, um, until you do experience those overt, you know, someone's, you're in a room and, and, they come in and assume that it's the gentleman next to you that's the right person to ask or answer a question. Um, you know, you get those little snaps back into reality of, you know, yeah, this this really, we've made progress, but there's still progress um, to be. Um, one of, in, prep, in preparing for this, one of the stats um, I pulled up, which again, didn't really, dawn on me because of just my own oblivion, I guess, or just the reality of this is the industry I chose. I understand it. Um, and I'm going to do what I can to make it better. But Crew put out in 2020 a diversity and inclusion benchmark survey, survey which revealed 36% of the industry are women and only 9% hold an executive C-suite position in the industry. Um, and that has been pretty much unchanged for the last 15 or so years. And I was really shocked I get, or validated. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but that those numbers are so small. Um, so for me personally, you know, having worked under under Julie and and her guidance and watching how she would navigate challenging situations, um, you know, with various owners or whatever the, the problem might have been um, was inspiring for me. So, and that's not to say that I haven't been successful or um, what's the right word? Uh, I've been fortunate to work for companies like I do now with Retransform that our owner and founder is a, such a strong believer in diversity and empowering and including women and wanting to advance that. I think there's also that cultural difference in that country. Um, you know, the company is named after his mom. The products that we name and I get to participate in personally, all our first goal is we want it to have a feminine influence or, uh, you know, Valerie. Erica are just some of our products that we name. Um, and so that's, I've been really fortunate in that regard. And it's probably what's kept me with Retransform now for 
coming, getting ready to start my 12th year. Um, the last position I held before I moved from Chicago to Dallas uh, was with Triland Properties. And Rich Doobie, who's the president of Triland and is still there today, also very much taught me and encouraged me to get that exposure, to learn as much as you can. There is a right way and a wrong way to do things. And we, we keep in touch, it's 25 years later. Um, so I think valuing relationships and building that trust and confidence and embracing that and ask questions and be okay with that. Um, for me personally, using my experience and looking at my colleagues um, and, and folks that I've encountered, not only, you know, everybody on this panel, but other folks that we know that inspire leadership, um, you know, Tama, Huang, uh, Julie Minor, Leslie Hicks, um, Cecilia Lee. These are like just a few folks that have kind of broken that barrier and are very successful and, and believe in leadership and mentoring um, other female executives and colleagues to get them to that point. Um, you know, having an authentic leadership style, I think is important and really em embraces some of, you know, the challenges that exist and how can you help guide and coach, um, give them opportunities our, it, to, to find where their passion lies and open those doors and be a facilitator and be a mentor and just foster all of in every opportunity that you can. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, for me, I think early in my career, there was this kind of unspoken, you didn't ever want to say, I don't know the answer to that question, because you didn't need something else, right, getting piled on that, oh, yeah, she doesn't know what she's talking about, or she doesn't understand, or she's not capable. Um, and that's that's just not true. It's okay to not know the answers to everything, and it's okay to ask the questions. And that's something else we, as an organization, and my personal leadership style is, please do ask. Don't it's you don't have to fake it till you make it, and we don't have to facilitate or feed the imposter syndrome that so many of us, I think, have fallen victim to at some point throughout our careers. Um, so, I think you know, there's there's lots of work still to be done um and i'm honored to be able to at least have the opportunity to do my part in in making things better for for everybody um i know byron you said something earlier about being kind and just treating people the way you want to be treated speaking to them the way you would speak to anybody else i think that's also very important and Kelly and Eileen, Andrea, you guys mentioned, you know, your backgrounds with your family influence. Um, similarly, I, I grew up with parents that were very encouraging. I was the only one of four kids that went to college. Um, if you ask my mom, she would tell you I was the least likely. <laughs> so we do get a good laugh about that now. Um, and I raised my two children as a single mom that I want them to see that for my son, how to be, and you could, 
just, I want it to be normal, right? That women can be successful. Um, and my daughter to know that she can do whatever she puts her mind to. So anyway, I appreciate y'all listening. Thank you so much. It's my turn to introduce Miss Hope Dunleavy with Real Foundations. Hope it's great to see you and I'll turn it over to you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lynn. It's great to hear your story uh, and the stories of everyone else. And I think what's great about this is that when we hear stories, we hear you know common themes. So Byron, I don't think, I all too also started uh, in college as an electrical engineering major. Um, decided that that wasn't for me, but um, I was a math and science geek. Uh, I actually went to math and science camp uh, uh, growing up. So I thought that was the direction uh, I was gonna go, but um, ended up um, by accident in, in real estate. But um, I think one of the things that I wanted to kind of kick off the conversation um, with is, again, you know, what others have said, how their parents and their backgrounds, you know, kind of formed how they are. So my parents um, actually were from Texas, um, and I have three older brothers, and they actually moved from Texas to Minnesota in the 60s um, in um, what was called, you know, the Great Migration uh, of a lot of African Americans. Um, and you know, my parents saw that as a way for a better life. And so I grew up in Minnesota and, you know, they, you know, they made this move to give myself, my siblings a better life and said, you can, you know, get an education, you can do anything that you can put your mind to. And so, you know, that has stuck with me and I've given that to, to my son as well, my 25 year old son. And so I think back to, um, you know, when I actually, you know, started my first job, um, and where I actually had a great mentor and sponsor. And so, you know, one of the things that I heard a long time ago um, and just heard again is, is that women are over mentored and under sponsored. And I think it's not just women, I think also um, folks who are underrepresented. And so uh, in college, uh, I had a part time job at a bank. And um, actually, that's also where I met my husband um, there, too. Uh, and uh, I was in a department called loss prevention. And it was a department where you we dealt with fraud. We dealt with collections. We dealt with ACH. We dealt with um, EFTs. And um, I learned so much. And it's actually a lot of that information that I learned has um, helped me in my career today. Uh, and uh, I was working there part time after after school, after my uh, college classes. And uh, I remember being in a staff meeting um, a little bit before the summer was going to start. And all of the adults uh, were talking about their summer vacations and who's going to back them up. And, um, you know, I had an idea, uh, you know, I was thinking forward to the summer where I was like, well, you know, I could probably pick up another part-time job to get some money. Um, but then I said, you know what, let me ask my boss if I could uh, work full-time. Um, and my, I, had, I had it all planned out. I said, you know, what I could do is, you know, learn um, from all the folks in my department, you know, all the different areas that they were working in, and I could, you know, basically do their job on top of mine while they're on vacation. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that was uh, a little ambitious for a 19 year old, 
Um, but, you know, I had the conversation with my boss and he, you know, he not only, you know, encouraged it, um, you know, and, but he was a sponsor. So there, as you can imagine, there are some folks who were like, I'm not really sure about, you know, you know, I'm leaving for a week or two and having a, a 19 year old kid, you know, take my job over and how are they going to do? And so he completely went to bat for me. You know, he says, like, I have full confidence and hope. I think she can do the do the work. Um, and then, you know, he also gave me, uh, you know, advice on how to um, actually kind of soften people to, uh, you know, get them over the hump of, you know, thinking that maybe I wouldn't be able to do it. So he would, you know, sit me down uh, and talk and, you know, train me on his own. And so that when I could talk to you, you know, so the person who was over fraud and I was getting, I wanted to take their job over, uh, you know, for a week and a half, um, you know, I knew what I was talking about. And so it was, it was something that, you know, has stuck with me, uh, you know, we're, we're talking, this was, you know, almost 30 years ago. And, you know, I also, I want to pay that forward. And I've done that is, again, not just being a, mentor which is great is you know sharing the knowledge that you have um but really you know using your political capital to raise people up um you know you, part of it is you, you should have the um confidence in yourself um but when others show confidence in you i mean i think you know that can that goes quite a long way and so when i think about you know Fast forward to the work that we're doing at uh, Rail Foundations uh, when it comes to DEI. So we actually hired a DEI consultant uh, to help us because it's you know there are it is a great topic and you want to do it right. You you want to make sure that um, you know any misstep you don't take any missteps and everyone feels like this is a uh, a project, and I don't—I even hate calling it a project, but an initiative that is of value. And so, one of the things that um, we've really started doing is thinking about, uh, you know, young folks like how I was, you know, 19 to 20 uh, college students, really promoting equity and diversity in our hires of in, in our hires of interns, and that hopefully turn into uh, you know, associates uh, at our firm, teaching them about real estate. Um, again, with the hopes of, you know, making the entire, uh, not only our company more diverse, but the real estate industry uh, diverse. So uh, when you're in a consulting company, you know, you learn quite a bit, you know, you learn about all the different sectors, all of the different inner workings of a real estate company. And, you know, we acknowledge that, you know, uh, folks could, you know, take all this knowledge and, and leave and, and go uh, to another real estate company. And, and we are okay with that because, again, we think it, it benefits uh, the industry as a whole. And, you know, we are also being very deliberate in the opportunities that we give our young associates as well and giving them the opportunity to uh, you know, go to conferences to, you know, break out of, uh, you know, if they were, you know, an accounting background or had a background in, uh, you know, finance, you know, learning about 
all of the all of the other things that that go into real estate. And I think you know what's great is you know Real Foundations we have a a passion for real estate. And I hope that I think that comes out when uh, you know we're speaking to uh, the young folks um, at college fairs, and you know we are also you know targeting colleges large, small, um, you know wants to get people who are maybe the first people or you know people in their in their families who went to college, and you know with that um, you know being said, you know I think that if we if maybe we as a whole, uh, you know, industry, um, also, you know, we're raising up uh, our, our younger um, colleagues, um, you know, it's just going to be a better, uh, a better experience for all of us. And so I think, you know, thinking about the young, young people, we're doing that. Um, but then also, uh, you know, folks who are more established in, in their career, um, you know, I, based on you know that kind of encouragement i got in my first job you know that led me to do the same thing throughout my career so i um i fell into real estate my first job was working uh, at a property as an assistant manager i am a pretty competitive person type a person and the property i started at was um at the bottom of all you know it was at the bottom of the list for leasing at the bottom of the list for for uh, AR, and I just could not have that. <laughs> I decided, you know, I am going to turn uh, this multi-million dollar um, asset around. And I, I, you know, I had a boss who was, you know, all for it. She, she said, you know, if you have ideas, you are, um, you have carte blanche to, uh, to do that. And you know, by the time I left, you know, we were at the top, and so um, I accomplished what I what I wanted. Um, and then, you know, my next career, my next, next career move, um, I did move out of the property and I moved to another real estate company, which is small. And so, you know, throughout my career, I did have the opportunity, um, and I think it was a blessing to work for smaller companies uh, where I could do what I did, you know, in my youth and say, you know, I, I want to learn as much as I can. Can I help you with anything? Um, you know, can I um, take anything off your plate? And, you know, that has really kind of set me up for what I do today. You know, I've been, a, I was able to, um, you know, be an accountant, uh, operations, training. Uh, I, it, this was in the 90s and um, I was where I did my first uh, Yardie implementation and I had no tech background at all. I have no idea what version that was, <laughs> but, and, you know, I've been able to, you know, leverage everything that I've learned um, to, to do that, uh, to, to help uh, clients uh, in the career um, that I have uh, today. And I think that, you know, the other thing that I've been able, I've really, really tried to do is throughout my career is encourage people to speak their truth to you know take on new challenges to you know be open to new experiences and you know know that you may encounter counter setbacks um but you know those as learning experiences and that you will um overcome you will succeed and you know we you have and if you can build a network 
of mentors and, and sponsors who can help you um, get over um, you know the challenges. You know you're even even better, and then you know try to pay that forward as well. Uh, so that's about uh, a little bit about me and my story and. Um, I am so excited that uh, we are having this conversation. I hope we have more. And, you know, I would love to see this happen at uh, every conference. And I, I think we're getting a little more of that, which is great. Um, and thanks to Realcom and Eileen and everyone uh, on this panel um, for the your stories and the, the hard work that's gone into this. And um, I will pass um, the baton over to Veronica, who um, I've been on a panel before. Uh, she has a fantastic story as well, and I, I know you'll enjoy uh, what she has to say. This is everybody. Thank you for being here with us. Um, thank you to all these wonderful humans that you have been listening their stories with. Um, they're sharing really their heart out so we can all learn from each other. And uh, now it's my turn. So I'm Veronica Nikrishnan. And yes, my name is very unique. Uh, I was born in Mexico. My husband is from India. My son is born here in the United States. I have a little United Nations at home. I live and breathe DEI every day of my personal life and also in my professional life. And I am so excited to be here um, and sharing a little bit about leadership and um, what has built me as a leader. So I'm going to go back a little bit into my roots. And um, as I told you, growing up over there in Mexico, my parents were very poor. They came from families that they didn't have any education. They were first ones that they actually believed that education were the, the solution to getting out from where they were. So they were very firm believers in that. Um, and they instilled in all of us um, the sense of let's go out and even though everything is against you, you can actually win. So that is what the behavior and the thought that was kept in myself while I was growing up in my family. Now, externally, outside in school, I had a complete different uh, a story because I was the one that was bullied. I was the one that wanted to learn and I was completely out of the environment that I was in. Um, so I was the biggest introvert. So yes, when I tell my story, people don't even think that that is even a word in my vocabulary, but that's the case. So um, it made me just being so myself and just so afraid of interacting. Um, but as I was growing up, there was this magic computer uh, apparatus that showed up in the classroom. And I figured that that became my best friend because I was now developing and creating and sharing things. And the thing was just not even telling me what to do or how bad I was. So I just fell in love with the technology. And right there, I decided to just go and pursue my professional career in computer science. It was newly introduced, and I'm one of the first Latinas that graduated with a computer science degree. And um, since then, I have been looking for 
positions that would allow me to develop in that environment where technology was part of my life, but at the same time, the personal stuff that I was dragging with, um, that I could actually do something and put it behind. So um, I started as an individual contributor, and I figured that my contributions and the way that I was working and, you know, that ethic that I had brought from home helped me just display very unique um, aspects of, of my work. And somebody actually just noticed it. Um, one of the managers of the place that I was working first at said, Veronica, you know, you're leading without being a leader. You're actually, every time that we put teams together and collaborate, you're the one that is guiding. You're the one that is asking people to participate and all that. And I was just doing it because I didn't want anybody else to feel like I was feeling before, that I wasn't part of a group, that I wasn't part of participating. So what I was doing was I was trying to reflect that experience that I had of being limited with people for them not to be limited. So it was just a reflection of my personal self. And um, since then, uh, that person gave me the opportunity to be a leader. I love interacting with people. I love helping people be successful, um, shine a light on them, help them develop and grow. And what I always tell to them is that you are your own leader. If you think about this, you are the leader of your own life. You're the one that is making choices. You're the one that is driving to something. And when I started and managing, I thought to myself, I really enjoy this. What would be my dream? My dream would be to be a CEO of a technology company. Just one day, I figured that that's what I wanted. So what did I do? At that point in my life, I went and I looked at the job description for becoming a CEO. And I looked and I said, okay, so what's, what's a CEO? What do they do? So I saw the skill sets. I noticed the leadership style. I noticed all the things that they would need to do and the strategic and knowing of all these different aspects of the business. I thought, okay, well, if I want to do this, I have to prepare myself. And so what I did is I, I developed my professional career as a professional athlete does. So I would go and I choose jobs that one, the boss that I was gonna report to was inspiring to me, that it was a leader themselves and that I was going to be supported by them. So that was number one. Number two, that that, brought a challenge for me and would put a skill in my pocket that was going to build me to become the person that I wanted to be. And so that's how I went from one organization to other. In some cases, I even found leaders that they were excellent and they moved careers and I went and followed them as they were following their own journey. Um, and in those, some cases, I I, I messed up and I joined organizations that it wasn't necessarily my, my fit. And so I left and moved on and, and, and got to where I was. Um, so, so that is my leadership style. It just becomes part of me helping others try to just everybody become the better selves that they can be. 
Um, so everything was going fine and Veronica is going into a great direction professionally, but you can see that the struggles through my life have been very, very, very deep, uh, impactful in me. And so just like that, I had situational things that trigger mental health issues. And at that point, when I was struggling with this, I thought to myself, well, I had my own bias. I thought, my goodness, people with mental health, probably they don't, they won't be able to perform. They won't be able to be accepted. They won't be able to um, continue their career. And so I was putting already barriers in my head. And to one point, my, my body just broke. And um, it said, stop, you, you're gonna have to make a pause. Um, and so it happened. Um, I, I got to a breaking point and my boss at that time said, Veronica, I do not know what you're struggling with, but I can tell you this. You are going to get out of this much better than who you were. And when you do, we are all going to be here for you. Now, talk about a company and a culture where DEI and the reflection of really executing and believing on what you're saying takes place. Deep examples of embedding what DEI means, it's relevant because it is not about what you say, it's about how you behave in these very complex situations. And how can you help people be themselves and yet help them explore and figure out what else do you need to be better, regardless of their background, regardless of their look, regardless of everything else. It's about being human. So um, I'm very fortunate that I belong in an organization that I have now the opportunity to influence how we shape and how we transform an organization into being and living DEI. Um, and because of my own personal story and because everybody in the organization also knows about it because I have been open about it because my hope, just like I'm doing today, is that if you're struggling with something, please reach out for help. And it's okay to not be okay every day. And when you are in the right place with the right people in the right organization, that's when the magic happens. So I invite you all to share, to be open. And if for some reason you're doing it and the organization around you is not as responsive, maybe you just need to figure out what are the positives and where you can find that. So with that, I appreciate all of you listening to my story. And now I am delightful to send back the baton to Eileen. Thanks, Veronica. So I think I'm unmuted now, which is great. And Veronica is going to stay on and we're asking all of the panelists to come back on. Um, I will say, so for most, if anybody knows me, I'm a hugger, right? I'm a huge hugger, okay? 
hug everybody whenever I can. And the hard part about being on a webinar right now is I can't hug you all because like this is so amazing and, and wonderful. And I, I think um, the fact that it resonates coming off the screen in a webinar like this way, we just imagine how powerful it would be you could just be, you know, in person and all that. So um, virtual hugs. I'm not quite sure how to do that on two meetings. Yeah. Virtual. Um, okay, so so um, we have a couple of questions that have come through, but but for the most part, I, I want to talk about a couple of, a couple of themes. Um, the first is, I think, which is what you ended on, Veronica, like every single person here has really talked about being their authentic self. OK, I mean, this is like you have to bring your authentic self to the organization and be in an organization that allows you to have, you know, that, that authentic self and really about being genuine and real and, and, and everything like that um, and vulnerable. Right. I mean, you all sat and have now done this. We have people on the webinar. This is going to be shared. I and mean, this is vulnerability right here. So the question that I have for you all um, and anybody can chime in and, and all that, which is, um, do you worry? Do you worry about sharing this type of information? Right. Do you think the work environment? Like, I mean, I remember when I started, you know, you, you don't talk about personal stuff right? you don't like a million years ago, you know, because I'm old, you don't you don't talk about that personal stuff right? you don't you don't do any of that kind of stuff. And so how do you how, do you worry? How do you think things have changed? I mean, is it up to us to continue to make the change? So I'm just going to kind of throw it out there and get get some thoughts from from anybody about this. I'm happy to opine for a second. Um, you said that about, you know, history or it, just your environment and what things were like and how it's changed. I can remember early on, like being in an office environment where you were not allowed to have any personal items on your desk, no pictures of family, no, it, it was. And so to see today, I think that's so much better and we encourage it. And hopefully all of our organizations do to recognize there is a, a personal and work-life balance. And I do worry about the dialogue and, and just for me personally, like you always have that subconscious, is this going to make them think I'm weak? And that's hard to, you have to make a conscious effort to just get past that. Um, at least that's been my experience. So. Well, I agree. And, and I'm just going to add one thing to that and I want to, to help because so many conversations have also been about you're the only one in the room, right? And Byron, like you're the only one, you're only this. So like you basically are saying, well, I don't want to bring something in that somebody's going to make an assumption that now, you know, all people like me, you know, whatever the like me is, are like this or this, this. Or I think as as, as we were discussed that that it's just another thing that they have to be like, oh, yeah, see, I guess, you know, they're, they're weak. They're talking about stuff, right? And so, um, so Hope, why don't you, yeah. I agree. It's, you know, I think I had to get over that too. It's, but, you know, what are people going to think? And what I would like, you know, for all of us and everyone is like, I think it's best if we can just listen to other people's stories without judgment. That, you know, that would be, you know, a great place to be because we all have unique stories. We all, you know, can learn from each other. And like, you know, this is, it's, this is a tough conversation. And what I find is interesting is, is that, you know, in general, we say, you know, if you want to work through a problem, talk about it. Um, but it seems like this is the one thing like, well, you know, if you talk about it, it's going to make it worse. It's like, no, that it's the complete opposite. <laughs> Talking about it is what's going to make it better. 
And so like, I think back to, you know, my, the Realcom, um, you know, panel that I was on and, you know, I opened up about something I hadn't talked about to, you know, uh, a lot of people, uh, no, no, you know, never mind in a front of a room full of people where I had, you know, I had a boss who would blatantly say like sexist and racist things to me almost daily. <laughs> and, you know, you, you start thinking like, is it just me? And I'm, I, I know it's not. And I think it's like people need to hear those stories and know that those things are happening for us to change. And so, again, as I said before, like if we can keep having these open dialogues and I think that's how we get change to happen. I, I totally agree with Hope there. And I think the hashtag that we have, the real talk, is the real conversations and the honest conversations that we're having and need to happen, right? One of the perfect examples that I've had is I was involved in a conference and somebody was talking about we were having kids from South Central come in and somebody was saying those kids are going to steal everything, they're going to take everything. And I said, well, I'm a kid from South Central. Do you think I will do that? And that really opened up the conversation to say, oh, wait, there is a variance, there's differences. So if you don't have those conversations, you don't know the backgrounds of people. And even though it might be tough to have that conversation, it's something that we really need uh, to just have it and out there and, and know everybody's experiences. And they've, yeah. and they've proven it. You really have to build trust in the work environment in order to be successful. And in order to build that trust, you have to have vulnerability. You have to open up so people know they can trust you and um, that is the way to show it. And if you're at the right company, it, they'll respect that and appreciate it, you know, in the right time and place. That is, and if the company doesn't, then you're probably not where you should be. And I think the detriment in the long term is not talking about it. Like, what if we don't talk about it and what is going to change if other voices aren't heard? And I'm so excited to see more formalized approaches to these discussions. And I think that that will really initiate change. Yeah, and I, I would say, back to the real talk, like, again, my, this is my opinion, and I said at the beginning is, I mean, this is how hearing people's opinions, hearing people where people came from, then all of a sudden you're learning things that you didn't know, right? And like, wait, I've never thought about it that way. Wait, I never thought, wait, if I'm in this room like this, this is what's happening, right? And so how, how can we not have these conversations to make us, to make us all better? And I think that these conversations need to occur, not just, you know, with Realcom. I think there's other times and places that we need to have these conversations and continually share this, this discussion and these, these, like, we all come from these different places and you can't assume, you know, anything about anybody, right? And so um, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, pretty excited about that. Um, so what's also interesting is that, yeah, Veronica, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was just gonna compliment that, that um, because we're talking about leadership, it's also as leaders, very important for us to understand and to learn how to deal with this. Because when somebody comes in and shares, what do you do? How do you react? How can you help? And that's something that in these leadership courses that have been taken, it, it's not said. It's not necessarily, you know, a subject in, 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 in that perspective that is taught. So there's still a lot to be said and to share like in webinars like this that our own experiences are helping and sharing those learnings so we can all learn from each other. 
I think that's that's an amazing thing to say because yeah, I mean, somebody walks in and says to me, I mean, you don't just have a look of panic on your face, right? But I mean, like, and and I do think more more people want to discuss these things and talk. I mean, back to like, and even with the fact that we were, you know, in COVID, like, but so many people here, like, you're in somebody's house, right? You, you're seeing this stuff going on. People who are more apt to talk about the chaos, the life, and the things that are going on behind them. They don't want to bottle that all up right now, right? I mean, there's stuff, right? And it's and it's hard. And so, so you're right. As leaders, we need to know, we need to know how to how to deal with that, right? And leadership isn't just about you know the productivity you did today, right? Like everything like that, right? It's about it's about all these things. So, I think that's that's a really really great great point, Veronica. So, um, so the other thing that you know I think came through loud and clear um, was how. How so much about like our our experiences and everything, of course, were driven by our parents, right? And how our parents really, you know, pushed um, pushed ourselves to to go forward and do different things and really kind of work hard and never say no and you know and everything like that. Probably much to my detriment. I don't <laughs> don't ever say no. Um, and so so to me, you know, what is it that we're teaching? And I think again, the other messages came down clear is like we all. A lot of us have kids, right? You know, hopefully they don't all end up in therapy. There's, you know, 50-50 shot with mine. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, the how, oh, no, actually, it doesn't matter if they're in therapy because really I'm, I'm saying more therapy about how much I've ruined them. Let's just go on record. Um, but uh, what's, like, what do we do to continue this for them, right? And, and you know, because it, it's an interesting dynamic of we've all achieved some sort of success you know, in our work environment, what are you telling these younger generations? Because they're seeing, you know, like, how do you keep that message going, right? How do you keep, you know, as you're talking to the younger generations or your kids or something, right? How to how to keep that message going of the work hard, of the, you know, don't say no, all that kind of stuff. I think one thing is encouraging them to take chances. Um, as a person who is typically like risk averse, <laughs> Um, but, you know, I think I, in my career, have learned how to take calculated risks. And I think if we can, you know, teach, uh, you know, the younger generation, take chances. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Ask for help, you know, which is mentioned a lot. I mean, that is how your career is going to grow. And then again, there's going to be setbacks, but you, you know, well, you'll get over them. So um, I have a 25 year old son who, he graduated in 2020, uh, you know, when the world went sideways and, you know, he luckily was able to get a job right after uh, college. And, you know, he's worked at uh, the company for, you know, three years and, you know, he's been saving for a house and he, you know, he's like, I like my company, but I want more career growth and a, a little bit more money, you know, um, to help with his house would be great. And um, had a conversation with him. He was, you know, he was scared. He was like, can I, can I, you know, ask for more money? And, you know, we talked about it. I said, you need to go in with a plan. You need to know your worth. And, you know, to his surprise, you know, he, you know, walked out with a promotion and the money uh, that he wanted. And, you know, he actually, um, he's off my payroll because he just bought a townhouse two months ago. Uh, <laughs> and so I think that, you know, if we can encourage, you know, that with the youth, I, I think it's just going to open so many doors for them. Because, like I said, my son, 
uh, he was scared. He's like, I don't know. I was like, I get it. Cause I, I, at your age, I was scared too. <laughs> um, and I mean, at my age, sometimes I get scared. So, but you kind of have to just get past that and, um, you, you'll, you'll feel proud of yourself. And then again, you know, you can encourage others, um, and tell your story like, you know, we're doing today. I think candor too, for me is having those candid conversations with our kids with their friends, if the opportunity is there and try so that we can normalize what they experience. Just for me personally, like seeing, hey, my mom's pretty good at what she does and she's valued at what she does. So from my son's perspective, that's not an uncommon thing. And for my daughter to see, yes, you can do what anything you put your mind to and find that passion. So I think it's being able to be comfortable enough and confident in ourselves to be able to have the candid, transparent conversations with with those younger folks starting at home. I think it's also important to, to explain to the to young people going you know into their career that the corporate culture at companies is almost as important as your salary. Like if if you go into an interview and feel not safe to voice your opinions or to, to feel like you could be yourself or it's not going to be enjoyable, you should not work there. That is not worth the salary. You know, I've, I've often, when I've had opportunities um, interviewing at multiple companies, I've had companies offer me more money, but I knew the culture would not have been a fit. And I've chosen, you know, a lower salary to get the better culture and it has re rewarded me multiple times over, and um, and I've also have done the opposite earlier in my career and had regretted it. So I think I think that is something they're not really looking for necessarily um, initially. They're just like they just want the paycheck, and which you know is understandable. But like I think we have to ingrain them that like this is something you actually really need to be, you know, interviewing the people back about their corporate culture. And, and how they are going to make it an enjoyable experience for them. I think that's great. Following your gut, like if it doesn't feel right, you know, follow that and listen to that. Yeah, and, and one thing that you guys mentioned, sorry, Hope. Oh, no, uh, no. It was being open to challenges, right? We are in, a, in an industry that's non-traditional, right? As an engineering student, I didn't see myself working in commercial real estate. It wasn't until I, found out what we were doing and what was being done there. I said, well, there is something in there for me. So be open to a challenge. Don't say no because the name of the company says, you know, property management or investment. There are engineering teams, there are technology teams, there are finance teams. We are diverse. So be open to any opportunity. When we graduated college, you know, a lot of the roles in LA weren't available in traditional engineering. Uh, so a bunch of my colleagues went to other states and came back when they needed to. But be open to any job or opportunity that you might see yourself being able to grow there because don't rule it out. Awesome. Yeah, when you hear the most yeah. successful Maybe people talk about their career path, they're never, they're like, oh, I just kind of kept getting promoted in the same role. They're like, I took a risk going outside my industry. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I thought I'd give it a try. You know, it's always, and then it turned into this huge opportunity that, you know, led them into their, you know, career. It's almost never a straight path. So I would say like people should know that career paths generally aren't a straight line, that they, that there are many risks to be taken. 
So I, I say that all the time to everybody and their brother. I'm like, you know, I started as an accountant and here I have, you know, whatever I'm doing. Anyway, it's all great. <laughs> so, okay, we had one question come in um, from the chat and this is just, uh, this is probably just kind of some yes and no answers here about does any, do any of the companies here have formal documented DNI programs? And whether or not anybody has consultants, names of consultants, kind of to use when putting together a DNI program. So we don't necessarily have to go with the consultant names, you know, right now or anything. But I just we can do a round robin about kind of formal DNI programs. So let me start with Veronica, because you're on the left of me here. Yeah. So yes. And Kelly. Yeah. Andrea. No, but they're in discussions. Okay. Hope. Uh, we do have a formal DEI program, and we actually are using the C-suite. Okay. Byron? I believe so, yeah. Our ESG team is probably responsible for them, but I'm not going to talk, but I believe we do. Yep. Lynn? We do. And at Heinz, we, we do as well. So um, for the, the, the person to ask the question, feel free to reach out to any of us. We're happy to have you talk about it. Um, I would have to get you in contact with the right people that... <laughs> Do that. So um, from a Heinz perspective, we're just all, you know, you jump in and just do stuff. So I'm not part of the formal program other than, um, you know, helping helping launch some things. And then I'm also the, I think I'm the central DNI champion. I think that's my role. <laughs> so, but um, so with that, I mean, I think that's kind of really getting us to um, to what I would say is the, the last lightning round question, which is what's one thing, one takeaway, like quick takeaway that each one of you would give to um, the group, you know, as as we've gone through this kind of whole this journey and this discussion today. Let's start. We're going to go backwards. Lynn. Oh, gosh. OK. <laughs> I think I would say be true to yourself, be authentic and try to remember complacency breeds mediocrity and just strive to do and be better. Awesome. OK, Byron. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out, both as an individual looking to grow, but also somebody who's at an executive position reaching out to those that might need help, right? If you see somebody, uh, don't be afraid of extending your hand and, and just giving somebody the opportunity. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people are looking for somebody just to say, do you need a hand? Do you need a mentor? Uh, and it's something that I've always carried in my core. I'm, I'm here because of my mentors, somebody, and many of them took interest in what I was doing. So I would say, reach out regardless of, of where you are in your role, reach out and, and help somebody grow themselves as well. Awesome. Hope? I would say, you know, do what we're doing here, share your stories, uh, you know, to think about how, you know, what you may say may affect somebody and in, um, in a positive way. Um, and then on the, on the flip side, you know, listen and listen without judgment and uh, you know, make sure that from a leadership perspective um, that you uh, make people feel comfortable enough, to, you know, to share with you. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it will, I think it will help you and it will help, you know, others as well. Andrea? I think the advice I would give is to be patient. Like, I get so frustrated that it's 2023 and we are where we are. Like, I, I still get flabbergasted at times, like, that this is the world and the state of um, our situation. 
But I do think having these conversations, and there is going to be progress, and I'm seeing it inch by inch, step by step. And so I would tell somebody, just be patient. Um, I think you're going to see change. And for the first time in my lifetime, I think it's going to be um, something where I'm not frustrated and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Kelly? Kellyanne? Oh. I would say, you know, like our mom said, be your own advocate and you can do anything if you put your mind to it. You know, if you're willing to put in the work, it can happen. So dream big. And Veronica? Take action. Go do. Let's just not talk. Let's do. So thank you all very, very much. With that, I'm going to hand it over, hand it over to Chuck to, to wrap this all up. So thank you all. Really, really appreciate the, the time, the energy, the passion, and really the, the open and honest conversations. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Eileen. And thank you to all the panelists for your just incredible, valuable contributions today. I think, Kelly, I award you the quote of the day. You'll never know where you end up if you keep your options open. I like that. Uh, applies uh, so much to a lot of the friends and family that I know. So uh, congratulations on that. You uh, you don't win anything. Points are uh, irrelevant. So uh, <laughs> we just really appreciate you. Uh, and again, just thank you again for all, for all your sharing. Um, and whether you've joined us live or you're watching this as a recording, thank you for tuning in and be sure to register for our next webinar. It's the, it's the second in this series of Celebrating Women and Diverse Voices in Commercial Real Estate. That The next one focuses more on those careers that are more technology-centered, where we have technologists, engineers, data scientists, uh, IT leaders, uh, it's really that a little bit more on that angle and how some of that might have come through. Uh, then on August 24th, we'll begin a whole new uh, series on a thorough examination of what sensors are looking like and other IoT, IoT devices, how they're being used in the built environment. Uh, surprisingly, there's been a lot of change and a lot of development in that area. So we'll examine it and uh, you'll you'll hear it from us first. So. That's it for us. Thank you all. Be safe. And again, uh, just thank you for tuning in. That's it for us. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.